want the Big Ten Championship. And we're going to win it as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. When the old season is over, you and I know it's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Run Past Michigan, our RPM podcast here on The Athletic with football to discuss for the second time in many, many months. I'm, of course, Nick Baumgartner along with Austin Meek. Austin, are we ready to talk actual football topics today that we think are going to hold for maybe a month or two here? It feels like football. Is to, I think today's the first day of fall. We get some beautiful yeah. uh, fall weather here in Ann Arbor, so uh, it feels like it should be football season, and it is football season, I guess, again, for now, we hope. Yeah. yeah, like that's been the weird thing all summer, right? Where there were so many times where we were like, well, we think this is going to happen, but we're not sure. But we're pretty positive now at this point, unless uh, things go completely off the rails, that we'll have football in a month. Very exciting stuff, of course. And Austin, for Michigan, already, you know, a lot of stuff to talk about, and a lot of stuff that was probably simmering. Um, and we can sort of dive right in today. And I think probably number one on the list for everybody is Joe Milton, right? I mean, that's that's probably the, the quarterback thing for the last two years really has been uh, everyone, after Shea Patterson settled in, obviously, and they got the transfer settled in 2018, and it was clear that he was going to be the guy that year, whether or not he came back, whatever. The focus on Joe Milton or Dylan McCaffrey was a two- or three-year situation for Michigan fans, and it is indeed – it appears it will indeed be Joe Milton. Very exciting stuff, but um, – your first thoughts, anyway, on all this, Austin, when, um, as we sort of assume, it will end up being Joe Milton uh, with Dylan McCaffrey on its way uh, out. You know, kind of an anticlimactic conclusion to yeah. that quarterback competition that had been building since the end of last season. I think, you know, going clear back to the podcast we did after the Citrus Bowl, we talked about how this is one of the one of the most intriguing position battles of Jim Harbaugh's time at Michigan. Uh, and so there was a lot of excitement and anticipation to get into camp and to see these two guys really go head to head. Then, of course, camp gets put on hold. Uh, the season gets postponed. Everything's in flux. Uh, and then in the span of about 24 hours there, <laughs> we found out, oh, uh, Michigan's going to play football and they have their starting quarterback because Dylan McCaffrey's <laughs> not going to play. Uh, yeah. So you know, we, we talked about that possibility last time on the show, and since then it, it's been uh, more solidified that uh, that Joe mm-hmm. Milton's going to be the man. And you actually wrote about that today. If some of your first impressions of, of Joe Milton, uh, the first time you, you saw yeah. him, the first time he stepped on, on campus. So uh, what's, what's, your, what's your thought on this? Because I know that we have talked about how the skill set of Joe Milton is different uh, from – what anybody else on this team can do, you know, he he just had some unique things about him, yeah. uh, that that you know gave him an edge here. But you know, we didn't know in terms of experience and where he was uh, in mastering the offense. But uh, what's your thought, you know, both on Joe Milton being the front runner and also just on you know on the on the timing of this and the fact that he was able to apparently win the job without any yeah. you know, without any practices and pads. Yeah, I mean that's really interesting, and I think. Some of that probably has much to do with, you know, Jill McCaffrey leaving. I mean, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if that happened overnight or if that was a trending thing. I, I don't know all the details there. But either way, I think the thing to take away that gets talked about some, um, but not probably as much as other things with Joe Milton is that, you know, if I can remember back to um, the winter that he enrolled in 2018, 
Uh, yes, that's right, 2018. I actually wrote about this morning. I was trying to remember and blanking out there. But <laughs> So he enrolls in that winter. And if you go back even further, a couple months prior to that, um, you know, in the recruiting period leading up to that signing day, Michigan actually had another – they took another quarterback. They took Milton first, and then they took uh, Kevin Doyle, uh, I believe mm-hmm. was his name. Kevin Doyle ended up going to, I think, Arizona maybe. And then he, I don't, I'm not sure if he stayed there or not. But either way – so they took two quarterbacks, and there was this whole thing at the time, like, you know, are they settled on one? Do they not know what they want to do? Uh, oftentimes when we see teams take two quarterbacks, that can sort of indicate maybe they're not totally sure. Maybe it's an insurance deal, whatever. And so it made you wonder, right? And then obviously as time went on, it, they settled in on Milton. Milton didn't waver. He wanted to be at Michigan uh, for a number of different reasons. And then the thing that really struck me was when he got there, it wasn't like three weeks hadn't gone by when before you started hearing stuff about this kid is really impressive. And you're like, well, what do you mean impressive? Like, well, he's a physical, like, he is so physically gifted just naturally as an 18-year-old kid who actually was 17 when he got there. And then I think beyond that, it was his attitude and his, like, just... And I wrote about it a little bit this morning about the Paris trip and some observations that I had when they were over there. He... He's just, everybody loves him. Like, everybody just, and it's not, this isn't like a slight to anyone else. But I can't remember too many times when you'd see an early enrolled freshman hanging around with the team. And, you know, this wasn't this wasn't a kid that was going to start that year. We You know, Shea Patterson was going to start that year. We all knew that. But everyone just seemed to gravitate toward, toward Joe Milton. He has his personality. He has something about him. Um, I think his attitude seems to be nothing but positive all the time. Everybody just loves the kid. And that really sort of stuck in there with you as, as time went on throughout that year. You know, we talked that season, Michigan actively tried to get him involved in the game, in games at times, sometimes to its detriment. I think sometimes they forced it a little bit, but I think the point was, is that they really loved how hard he was working how much better he'd gotten, how further along he probably was in terms of his just sort of feel for the game. You know, he wasn't, he didn't play high school football at a football factory or anything like that. So a lot of it was just sort of him, you know, he was a lot like Brandon Peters, I thought, and that Brandon Peters played just a normal high school career and sort of played on feel. And I think Milton did the same thing. But as time went on, there just kept being these, you talk to people and they're like, you love Joe Milton, love Joe Milton, love Joe Milton, great kid, great kid, works his ass off is ready to go and then obviously the arm and all the and all the physical traits that we can get into but really it's always been for me since Milton's gotten here you just don't hear anybody ever say anything that's not like I really like this kid I really really hope he gets a chance to play here because I really want to see it that's been the thing that's carried it for me and I think a lot of people would probably agree uh you know that was the case when Pep Hamilton was here that was the case when Josh Gaddis got in they just liked the kid so uh, I, I'm excited to see it. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how ready he is or isn't. But I think we know, based on watching snippets of him over the years, that physically he checks all the boxes you can check. And mentally, he seems like he has a chance to be exactly what they need him to be. Yeah. And I, you know, this is obviously a, a unique situation, uh, you know, with, with the season we have, with, you know, the offseason they've had. Uh, and I wonder if, you know, all of that maybe came together where, you know, it was a, a decision to go with the player who you know, presented the, the highest upside yeah. versus the player maybe, you know, you were a little more familiar with. Uh, you know, we hadn't seen 
either Dylan McCaffrey or Joe Milton in a, in a big sample size at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, you remember going into last season, Jim Harbaugh was talking about Dylan McCaffrey being essentially a co-starting quarterback. So clearly, right. you know, they, they were they were high on Dylan McCaffrey going into last season. And then, you know, he had he had the injury uh, that knocked him out for part of the year. Um, you know, you wonder how history might have been different, you know, if Dylan McCaffrey doesn't get hurt last year, if he gets a bigger opportunity last mm-hmm. year to be on the field, you know, would he be entrenched yeah. as a quarterback? going into the season right now, you don't know. But the way all of that played out, you know, it was basically you know, those two guys on, on equal footing going into the offseason. And then it was just such a, you know, such a bizarre offseason. Uh, and we get to this point now where we're going to have, you know, a, a four-week ramp up now, basically, until we get to the season that begins in, in late October. Um, you know, it just, it feels to me like the decision came down to, um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna go with the quarterback who you know who gives us the highest upside, and yeah, um, uh, yeah I'm interested to see how this offense um, evolves with a, a player with Joe Milton's skill set uh, playing quarterback because I mean, obviously he can stretch the field. I mean that's gonna be uh, the thing that everybody talks about is his arm strength, um, you know, his ability to to go downfield. Uh, you know, he brings some uh, mobility. You know, he, mm-hmm. he's not going to be you know, Michael Vick out there, but, yeah. uh, you know, he, he can move. Uh, you know, that was something that we didn't see much last season with Shea Patterson. Uh, you know, the, the quarterback run game was, was not a big element of the offense last season. Maybe mm-hmm. that becomes more, uh, you know, more of an element of the offense this year. Uh, I don't know. I'm just, you know, I'm super curious to see what happens. And it just, you know, it kind of feels to me like, hey, this is a totally unique season. Like, this is nothing about this is normal. Um, yep. Let's just give this guy a shot to go out there and see what he can do, and, and maybe we'll catch lightning in a bottle. Okay, everybody, before we get back to RPM, a quick message after this break. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, I mean, I think that you you nailed it. And we talked about this in like January or February or whatever it was that Milton just had more stuff that you could use, you know, within, within your system. Whereas, you know, McCaffrey, you know, you mentioned the injury. I mean, that, that wasn't the first injury he'd suffered. I mean, he got hurt the year before uh, with a shoulder or a collarbone, and then he had a pretty nasty concussion that looked pretty serious, um, uh, you know, during, during last season. So, I mean, he was a lighter framed guy, um, good player. I mean, I think that that's not to be overshadowed here. I mean, Dylan McCaffrey's a good football player when he's healthy and everything's tuned in, and they loved him too. I mean, that's not to say that they didn't, uh, you know, locker room coaches the whole shot. But Milton is 6'5", 245 pounds, something like this. Mm-hmm. And he's not like a 4'4 guy, but he's not slow. I mean, he's certainly fast enough to run in space and make people, you know, give people problems. And most important, Outside of the massive arm, the ability to make every throw on the field, all those things, which you have to be able to do if you really want to be something different, 
You don't want to run your quarterback, you know, 25 times a game or what have you. But when we talk about quarterback run game in, in sort of the modern modern day here, it's sort of trending a little bit back to what it was years and years ago where those quarterbacks are taking hits now. You know, I mean, people are running. You look at the NFL. I mean, you've got you've got guys running quarterback power. You've got guys running, you know, a little bit between the tackles sometimes. I mean, it's a part of the offense. It's not something you're relying on for everything, but it's part of your offense. There, and Milton... His body is, you know, it's, it's, he's just bigger and stronger. I mean, he's going to be more capable of taking and taking more hits and sort of maybe even delivering some in some yeah. cases if you're coming up, come up, up against a smaller linebacker. So, I mean, there's just another layer that he adds with all of the things he has physically sort of within his arsenal. And if you can sort of tailor a game plan around all that with sort of the speedy pieces that they have and, you know, like a Giles Jackson, Sander still... I know they like A.J. Henning and Roman Wilson coming in. Uh, they still have Nick Eubanks, who's a really talented tight end. Uh, Ronnie Bell, we, you know, I mean, we've been down the Ronnie Bell path before. He's going to catch a lot of passes for them. So they have guys, and including those backs in the backfield, there's questions on the offensive line. But Milton sort of, you know, I just, I've looked at it this whole way. His toolbox just seemed bigger to me. Like, it just always seemed like he would have, if all things were equal, and it really always seemed like they were, I mean, the... McCaffrey only had one year of experience advantage on him, and it wasn't in-game experience. And you know they had the same amount of experience. They had the same amount of experience with Josh Gaddis. I just feel like Josh Gaddis can do more with what Milton can give you. And you know whether or not it's a smooth sailing or perfect or whatever, I wouldn't anticipate that. I mean, I, I think it's going to be rough for everyone in college football this year. Even the even the players we expect to be great, I think, are going to have hiccups. Um, you know, we can just look at the NFL for that. I mean, these first two weeks with you know sloppy tackling. A lot of the injuries that have been unfortunate, you know, careless mistakes from guys that you're not used to seeing careless mistakes for as they sort of shake rust off. I think that that's important to remember in all this and that he's a first-year quarterback and it's not going to be perfect and he's not going to be, you know, uh, (laughs) gift-wrapping the Heisman Trophy after three weeks. (laughs) I mean, it's important for everyone, I think, and I say this every year and people, people laugh and some people think it's stupid and some people agree, but like... I just, I just hope people are, you know, and I said this before, even McCaffrey or Milton. I just hope people are willing to sort of calm themselves enough to let let the kid play a game first before right. they sort of craft where they think he should be in his first year. Because I think he's going to get there. I really do. I mean, if you're asking me today on September 22nd, I think Joe Milton's going to be a good quarterback in Michigan before he's done. I don't know when that's going to happen, but they're just too much on his on his sort of plate with everything he can give you. It just and let, barring an injury or something crazy, I just I, I just think he's going to get there. There's too much. He's too talented in too many areas uh, for it not to work. As I'm sitting here today, there's definitely a fine line there between talking about what his potential is and what he can be, and also yeah. tempering that with with a little bit of caution about uh, you know let's give the guy a chance to start a game you know, exactly yeah. before, before we anoint him. Um, but look, if we're talking about his potential, if we're talking about you know what is the what is the best case scenario for Joe Milton? You know there there's definitely some you know there's a little bit of Cam Newton in you know mm-hmm. just physically the tools that he has. Yep. You know big guy with a cannon for an arm who who can move. I mean talking about the best case scenario, that's what you're looking at. Uh, but there's a lot that has to happen uh, for him to you know to get to that point. A, lo- a lot of things that are going to have to come together. Um, you know, in the in the limited time we've seen him play, uh, I think you would say one of the areas that that he's going to have to develop, uh, you know, and I think he said this is 
you know, not everything is a 99 mile an hour fastball. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you yeah. got to be kind of like a pitcher. You got to be able to change speeds. Uh, you, you know, you got to be able to throw with some touch. You got to be able to, you know, put put the ball in a, a really precise spot sometimes. So, you know, I think a lot of those things are going to determine, you know, ultimately whether Joe Milton gets gets to that ceiling. You know, we know that that he can throw the ball a mile. We know he can throw it hard. Um, you know, can he bring the precision to the passing game uh, that, that's going to really make him, you know, the complete complete package. Uh, you know, and that was, frankly, that's what was missing from from Michigan's passing game a year ago. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw, <clears throat> excuse me, many times, you know, Shea Patterson just a little bit off, you know, a throw that had a guy open, uh, you know, an inch or two, higher or lower, uh, a big play that just didn't happen. Uh, so that's what you're looking for now. The next step for Michigan's offense is uh, to, you know, to have that precision because in this era of football, you know, your your quarterback can't be completing 50% of his passes. And that's where Michigan was way too often last year with, with Shea Patterson. You know, you've got to be, you know, you've got to be efficient in your passing game. And when you can when you can mix in efficiency with the big plays that, that we think Joe Milton's going to provide, then you've got an offense. Now you're talking about an offense, uh, you know, that that's performing at, you know, at the level you need to be at to win championships. You know, that's, that's where Michigan eventually wants to get hopes to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you know, I, I think Joe Milton's got a shot to get him there. I don't know if he will, but I think he's got a shot. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing to remember. I think he's going to be good here before it's all done. I mean, but again, you can't predict everything perfectly throughout the rest of time. I mean, ultimately, of course, though, like you said, I mean, they do enough, as we saw last year, and we saw it in the tail end of last season, in the regular season anyway, including parts of the Ohio State game, um, when Shea Patterson was sort of dialed in, when he got himself sort of settled into the offense, into a rhythm, they were, they were finding guys. I mean, guys were open, and, and he was delivering it to them. And you saw, even in the Alabama game, when there were misses, those were misses on guys that were open. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something to remember as you go back through last season. When it looked good, and, and the ball, you know, the Michigan State game, for example, when guys are open and they're delivering, it looked good. Indiana was the, was one that stood out. And obviously, Michigan's got more talent, you know, than those teams in those situations. But you know, guys were getting open. Guys were being schemed open. They were using the pieces that they had, it seemed anyway, the skill pieces, the receivers, um, and eventually using Collins in a way that, you know, sort of helped give them a bunch of extra room underneath. And it started to work. And it took a minute. And, you know, the first quarter of the season was a lot rockier than I think anybody wanted it to be or anticipated it to be or hoped it would be, but it happened. And then they, they were able to move on. So I think the point there is, I, you know, you can do a lot to sort of help protect a new quarterback and let him be comfortable and, and not heap too much on his plate. And I think it helps now, too, that, you know, Josh Gaddis is in year two as a play caller. So he's not going to be as geeked up maybe as he might have been. And I, I know, you know, and he kind of told us that at the beginning of last year, you know, he's a he's an intense guy. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, makes sure he tries to keep everything sort of. And that was from moving to the press box down to the field. Didn't want to get too excited. Didn't want to get too you know, ramped up for his first, you know, because that was a dream come true for him too. First time calling plays. He's done that. So it's not going to be anything like that. I think that they're in a better position for all that to work. And it's just, it's going to be about, right. It's going to be about how consistent can he be with, you know, with the accuracy, how consistent can he be with the underneath stuff? Um, 
you know, when you got to check the ball down, make sure you check it down. I think the one thing, too, to caution, and, and like you said at the top there, Austin, uh, with a guy like Milton, whose arm is as strong as it is, and he knows it's as strong as it is, um, making sure that you're not always living on the risk. You know what I mean? Like, because mm. that's, that's probably the thing that they may have to work with a lot on him. And we see it still in the NFL with guys when they have that crazy elite arm, and that's what that is. I mean, Milton's arm is as big as any high school prospect or whatever I've ever seen. Um, doing this and you get into these habits where you just think, well, you know, that's that coverage isn't what I want, but that route looks like it's kind of there. I'm going to try to fit it in and see what happens. You do it once and it actually works. And then you do it four more times and you get burned. So, I mean, like there's, there's going to be lessons. Uh, it's not going to be perfect. I don't think. Um, but that's the case kind of across the board. I, I do think though, ultimately I, I, it shouldn't be overlooked his, um, his attitude and his, you know, again, guys just liked him. I mean, they they all seem to like him a lot, and I I that I, what I don't know what that all equates to or means one way or the other, but there's never been a moment that I've ever heard anybody say anything other than like we really hope this works out because he's a really good kid, and um you know we really really hope it, it can you know sort of happen. So that's that's always kind of stuck there with me, and and I think for a quarterback, uh, there's something to that. You got to have that somewhere in there, and I think Milton has it. So the other development that happened since we taped our last show, uh, we have a schedule now. Uh, it took us an hour uh, and a couple different uh, television networks to uh, unveil that yeah. on Saturday morning. Uh, but we have it now. Uh, you know, I, I don't think there was a whole lot of suspense with this. Uh, we basically knew the teams that were going to be on the schedule, aside from maybe one game that was a coin flip. Uh but so Michigan gets uh, the crossover games against Minnesota. That's the opener on the road against Minnesota. Uh, they get Wisconsin at home in week four. The Ohio State game goes to the end of the season in December. I believe that will be the first December matchup between mm-hmm. these two teams in the history of the rivalry. Uh, and then Penn State takes that Thanksgiving spot uh, on the weekend of November 28th. So uh, no real surprises there. But a tough road. I mean, we knew that. We you know yeah. we knew it was going to be uh, you know not very many gimmies on, on this schedule. Uh, but Nick, any uh, any impressions about that now that we can look at it on paper? Yeah, the the West crossover was about as di- I mean it was as difficult as you could have asked for yeah. <laughs> or drawn up, uh, which was sort of that way at the beginning, right? I mean, I think all they really did here was lop off Purdue, Purdue, yeah, and yeah, and it's the same with the crossover. So you, you get Wisconsin and Minnesota. Um, so that's tough, obviously. Um, and I guess the thing that I sort of thought about it as I went on there was, you know, that at Minnesota game would, you know, which is the opener. If you can imagine that in any other circumstance, like if they had fans, mm-hmm. like PJ Fleck would have been, you know, wandering around the Twin Cities, gathering <laughs> up as many, yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> gathering up as many people as he could individually, giving them free tickets and being like, come in here and make this the most raucous thing you've ever heard. And that's not the biggest stadium in the world, but I've been there at night when Michigan's been in there, and it's been pretty loud when they've wanted it to be. So Joe Milton's first start at Minnesota, likely anyway, um, won't have to be with a crowd, won't have to be with all the crazy stuff that we always equate to college football games on the road, which do matter. They do, you know, maybe not in the NFL as much, but in college, absolutely. The atmosphere, everything else, when that's taken away, that makes life a hell of a lot easier on the road team, especially a young quarterback or a guy starting for the first time. And I think that that's important to note. Whereas Minnesota is a really good football team with you know heading in the right direction, 
Really good quarterback play. They also have a new offensive coordinator. I believe they have a new uh, offensive line coach as well. There's there's adjustments they've had to make too. I think in any other scenario, if fans were allowed to be in the stands, this would be a this could be a problem for Michigan. It still could be a problem, but I do think that that opener without the fans, uh, it's got to be it's got to be a better situation for a new quarterback to break in there. I mean, you've got to be okay with that, but also okay with the fact that, okay, you're going to know really quickly. You're going to know how, you know, where you're at as a team because you're not going to tiptoe in against, you know, some team that's just not, you know, you're not, you're not starting against Rutgers or a 1AA team or a MAC team or something. You're starting against what most expect to be one of the better teams in the West on the road with a new quarterback. We're not going to have to wait long to figure out, you know, where they're going. And I think that that's kind of exciting as you look at it. But yeah, I mean, the schedule, the rest of it, you know, those three games, Wisconsin, Penn State, Ohio State, that's the whole thing. I mean, that's the whole thing for Michigan. It's the whole thing. It was the whole thing last year. It was the whole thing the year before. It's the whole thing now. You've got to be able to navigate through those games uh, to have any chance to, you know, go up against Ohio State at the end of the season with the division on the line. And that's that's ultimately Michigan's entire plight here. And, you know, you get Wisconsin at home. I You get them both at home, I guess. But, again, same thing works, right, where it's like there's no crowd. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know how, how daunting these home games are are going to be able to be for you one way or the other. But uh, those are the three ones, obviously, that you circle and say the whole season's going to hinge on that. All right, folks. Hey, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you are a subscriber to The Athletic, we really appreciate you coming along for the ride. If you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, we have a great deal for you. You can subscribe to The Athletic right now for just a dollar a month. Uh, that'll get you all the exclusive coverage of Michigan, Michigan State, Big Ten, Lions, Pistons, Red Wings, whatever you're into, you can get that at The Athletic and you can get it right now for just a dollar a month. So uh, don't miss the exclusive in-depth coverage. Subscribe and save. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. You can go to theathletic.com backslash RPM, receive an all-access subscription for just a dollar a month, or uh, anytime you click on one of Nick's stories, one of my stories, uh, any of our stories, you'll have a link in there to uh, take advantage of that promo for a dollar a month. So thank you for uh, subscribing and supporting our work, and back to the show. Yeah, we went from originally Michigan was scheduled to open the season at Washington, which was going to be a tough, tough road trip in the first week of the season. Uh, in version two of the schedule, they were opening at home against Purdue. Mm-hmm. And now in version three, they're on the road again against Minnesota. So we're kind of back to the original storyline here of can Jim Harbaugh get his team ready to go on the road week one? And these road games against ranked opponents, we know that's been a that's been a heavy lift for Michigan. Uh, you know, they, they those are you know, that's really what you zero in on and say, well, if Michigan is going to take the next step as a program, what do they need to do? And they need to win some of these road games against yeah. ranked teams, and we'll find out, I guess, how much of how much of the road struggles are uh, you know, the fact that, as you, you've mentioned before, Michigan always gets everybody's best shot on the yeah. road. You know, gets the best crowd, the best atmosphere. Um, every time Michigan goes on the road, it's a big, it's a big game. And you know, we won't have that atmosphere this year at Minnesota. So we'll, you know, we'll see if that's an equalizer. Uh, and then coming off that opener, mm, get Mel Tucker uh, at home in Ann Arbor two years in a row. Michigan's going to get the Spartans at home. <laughs> Halloween, uh, Perfect. you know, we won't have uh, the Jim Harbaugh lookalikes in the crowd, unfortunately. But uh, I'm sure that outside the stadium, yeah. it's still going to be pretty lively. Uh, that Halloween weekend against Michigan State, so uh, uh, a very interesting uh, week two from the standpoint of 
we don't know anything about Michigan State. I'm not sure Mel Tucker yeah. knows much about Michigan State. And Michigan State plays Rutgers week one. So we may not find out a ton about them in the first week. So that's going to be a, you know, we're going to learn a lot about uh, about that Michigan yeah. State team there in week two. I think it's like, it's perfect that it's right there, I feel like, for, for everybody involved. Because like, this is, this is why I sometimes get, when college football seasons, when you know, we talk so many times about you know kind of the weirdness of how college football works, where you play these teams that are you know basically playing football on a different level than you, a lower level to start the season. You sort of tiptoe in, and we figure out where we're at and all this. It's like a preseason almost. There is no preseason here. You're diving in right away with a real team on the road, and then you go into week two with the team that obviously is rebuilding and in a crazy scenario, but their entire year. Michigan State's entire year can, uh, is going to hinge on how they perform in that game. Like uh, whether they want to admit it or or know it or whatever or not, they probably would admit it to you at this point. That is their opportunity to come in as Mel Tucker in a season where they really don't have anything to lose. The scenario has been awkward for them from the start due to the timing that you know when he was hired. The pandemic obviously challenged them more than it challenged most teams, and that's in the same situation. So there's not a lot to lose, and they, you know, we know nothing about them at all. We we probably won't know much, like you said, Austin, after that first game against Rutgers. Who knows how that's going to look? I would, you know, we would expect Michigan wins that game. They were so much better than them a year ago. It would stand a reason that the, the talent gap there is is still very much uh, what it was a year ago. But you know, if you're Michigan, you're not tiptoeing into that one. You're diving in head first into the deep end and seeing how cold the water is, and you're going to figure it out. Like that's what I like about. This schedule is that, uh, you know, for everybody really, but especially for Michigan, it's there's not going to be any time to wander around. They're not going to have any time in these these next four weeks. Uh, and I and I and Jim Harbaugh's mentioned um, a few times on a few interviews. I always likened it to like military, uh, you know, preparation about just getting through the next day or whatever. Uh, the first camp that they ever had, that submarine camp where they all, you know, he shut everybody out and wouldn't talk to anybody and all this for three, four, five weeks, whatever it was. Um, that worked, by the way. They were ready to go. Like he he's he stressed sudden change on them in that first month, and it worked. And if they can sort of, you know, get together, not worry about anything else, bunker down together, which they don't have another choice. They have to bunker down together. You know, who knows? Maybe they come together as a team. Maybe maybe that's the benefit of all this. If uh, on certain teams, if you get you become closer, maybe than you would have been otherwise. Perhaps who knows? If you're in these situations where you're struggling together. Uh, or trying to make it work together, and you don't have any time to waste because you don't. There is no, there's no easy stuff here. There's no breathers. Your your breather is Rutgers on November 21st, and you got a whole month before that. So you've got to figure it out pretty quickly. Uh, even in a game like Michigan State, where you would expect to have a you know sizable advantage in terms of your roster, but who knows, right? And it's a rivalry game, and obviously if you lose that one, oh my god, <laughs> the stuff that comes out of that one's not going to be pretty. So diving right in, no time to waste. I, I love it. I think it's perfect. I, I would have been disappointed if if uh, they'd started out with like Rutgers, Maryland and a crossover with Illinois. I think that would have yeah. been boring. So let's yeah. let's get in. If we're going to do this, uh, let's do it right. And I think that's a, that's a that's a cool way to start. Yeah, we touched on this last time, but I think a lot of what we're going to see early in the season is going to go back to what what were you doing in August and September? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting to read uh, stuff about the Pac-12 because, because it seems oh, like yeah. in the Pac-12, it was basically like, okay, we're not playing. Everybody go home. Mm-hmm. And guys like haven't touched a weight in like yeah. six or eight weeks. Um, you know, Michigan has 
and Jim Harbaugh's brought this up, you know, they've been going just kind of slow and steady. You know, they haven't had to shut down because of outbreaks. Uh, you know, they've just kind of put their nose down and, you know, continued to prepare as if they were going to play. And so we'll find out, does that translate to a sharper team earlier in the season compared to other teams that, that maybe had to shut down or, you know, teams that maybe let off the gas a little bit after the season got postponed? Uh, you know, a, a lot of those things will become apparent, I think, pretty quickly. And the other thing we'll see is how many of these guys who opted out originally with the thought that there wasn't going to be a fall season, how many of them are back on the field by yep. week one? Uh, I know you talked to some people uh, about Jalen Mayfield's situation. You know, originally he, he mm-hmm. left, signed with an agent, uh, but now seems like he's uh, you know, wants to come back and play, and Michigan is figuring out the process of, of making that happen. The other two, Ambry Thomas and Nico Collins, uh, haven't heard definitively that, that they've made decisions uh, still up in the air there. But what do you anticipate happening now uh, with the guys who have opted out? Yeah, May- Mayfield wants to do it. Obviously, we've everyone's reported that by now. But you know, he wants to wants to come back and play. You know, at least one more year here at Michigan. Um, there's hoops they have to jump through, you know, compliance stuff with the Big Ten and, and I assume the NCA, but I think the Big Ten is probably going to have to f- play a role in some of this stuff in some of these situations. I know Minnesota is going through the same thing right now um, and some other places as well. Ohio State, I think Wyatt Davis has also said kind of the same thing that he wants to wants to play. I think Michigan's hopeful is what I would say, talking to some people. I mean, I think that they, they're they hopeful they can find a way to make it work, uh, given this situation, given the pandemic, everything else. You know, if no money exchanged hands and they remained enrolled in school through, you know, virtual sort of online stuff, which I was told that's the case, um, then Mayfield, you know, should be able to jump through those hoops and um, should be. I, I don't know how quickly or how long that would take or what have you, but I would I would hope that they're able to they're able to get that done because that would make no sense if they're not going to allow <laughs> allow yeah. a kid to come back in this scenario. Ambry Thomas, I know that I believe right he was on with uh, John Jansen right mm-hmm. after um, the announcement and kind of expressed interest with that. Nico hasn't said anything publicly, um, but obviously, as we know, they are trying <laughs> they are trying to figure out if they can you know either convince him to come back while also trying to figure out you know if there's. If there's pass, it you know if there's if how many hoops they have to jump through on that one too. But obviously, and we talked about it at the very beginning. I mean, Joe Milton and Nico Collins are pretty tight. That's not yeah. nothing. Uh-huh. I mean, that's not that's not irrelevant. So you know they were pretty tight when when Milton got here, and they're about the same age. They're you know one year apart in class. So um, who knows? I mean, who knows? I think that that's uh, it's all up in the air at the at the moment here. I guess on some of that. But as far as we know right now, Mayfield certainly wants to do it. Uh, I believe that's his plan, and you know Michigan's going to go forward with sort of the hope that they can make that make that a reality. I again, I don't know all the little details on every single thing, but I can't imagine if a kid wants to come back and do this, and and they've signed and haven't taken money or what have you. Even if they took even if they took <laughs> took yeah. money and said I'll give it back, I think you should be able to. If you're the Big Ten or the NCA, I think you should you know that that should be settled, and and they should be able to do that. So hopefully for Michigan's sake. That's a good thing, or Mayfield's sake anyway. That's a good thing. He can come back and you know put one more year of good tape out there. I mean, he was great as we talked about at the end of last season, really trending in a good direction. I thought you know one more really good year from him, and it could have been a really high draft uh, ceiling, maybe even first round if he had a, another really good season. So who knows? And then of course you know the same kind of deal. But you also have to remember, you know, this is a weird season. 
if your body isn't, you know, totally prepared the way you want it to be and you're worried that maybe you're going to get hurt or something, which is, you know, I mean, everyone's worried every time, but like we see the hamstrings and the groins and all this stuff. I mean, I, I don't know how much you're willing to, to push it. You know, if you're if you're on the fringe of a draft situation, maybe you are, maybe you aren't. But I think there's so many factors individually that have to go in to these decisions for these kids right now, um, more than any other year. So, yeah. you know, I'm sure they'll, they'll allow them to take their time. But you know, right now it looks like they're still trying on on, on those fronts. Nothing official, uh, anyone being eligible yet, but uh, trending trending positively there in the uh, Mayfield front at least. Yeah, I think we have to keep that in mind that you know the, these players uh have you know basically had had their lives upended now multiple times i mean look i know what it was like for me to go from okay we're we're gonna play oh we're not gonna play we're definitely not gonna play now we might play oh we are gonna play it's like at some point it's like okay just tell us what you're gonna do and Mm -hmm. let you know let's make a plan here so i you know the players i I can only imagine what it was like to be in that situation. I mean, Jay, Jalen Mayfield was you know, one of the guys when the season got initially postponed. I think he, you know, he put it out on social media that like, you know, just how frustrating it was to feel like you were getting yeah. the runaround. Um, you know, I don't blame anybody for hearing what the Big Ten said and listening to the words of Kevin Warren and saying, "Okay, we're not going to play this fall, so I got to you know take care of my own future." Uh, so yeah, I got, you know, I think got to give the players a little bit of leeway here, uh, with the understanding that this has changed so many times, yes. uh, you know, they probably were not really prepared to make a lot of these decisions and it's just a, you know, it's a really, uh, a really fluid situation. But the one thing I think is true that you know, we hesitate to just take it for granted that if there's a common sense answer that the NCAA is going to arrive at that because we've all seen mm, yeah. examples of the of NCAA not doing the common sense thing but it, it would seem like yeah, I would have to think in this scenario yeah they'll, with they'll, all yeah. these guys have been through mm-hmm. if if somebody wants to play and the only hurdle is that you know they signed with an agent because they didn't think there was going to be a season just let Whatever. him play. I mean, yeah, you, right. you got to do it. I mean, I mean, look, if he took five grand yeah. and, and says, I'll give the five grand back, what are we talking about here? Right. Like, the, you know what I mean? So so hopefully, maybe even in this scenario, these situations arise and allow the NCAA to maybe get more realistic with some of the ridiculousness. But I would I would hope that in all scenarios, Wyatt Davis, uh, Bateman at Minnesota, Jalen Mayfield, whomever else, I would hope all of them are cleared and allowed to come back, even if they did take money. I don't care if they do give it back. Yeah. I hope they're all cleared and all able to go out there and do it if that's what they want to do. Like you said, Austin, they've been sort of jerked around all summer through no fault of their own. Um, and obviously, I'm not going to blame all the NCAA and Big Ten on everything that happened with the pandemic. But, like, you know, you, you put them through a lot. I, I think it's... It, it's only right if you if you allow them back in. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, we're about a week away from teams practicing in, in pads again. It'll be kind of like the feeling of the first day of camp, even though mm-hmm. uh, it'll be the end of September. So uh, Nick and I uh, will continue to uh, be covering all the uh, events at The Athletic. Uh, we'll have some cool stuff coming up on the podcast as well. So thanks for checking out our work, and thank you for listening to the RPM Podcast. Podcast.